given me. Amen. The Lord has laid a little thought on my heart. We'll spend some weeks on it, I believe. It's called Ornaments of Grace. Ornaments of Grace. Going to preach every Sunday morning, Lord willing, on Ornaments of Grace. I want to begin today in Matthew chapter 1. I want to preach on this thought. Faithfulness matters. Faithfulness matters. If you had an ornament today, your faithfulness, it does make a difference. Matthew chapter 1, I'll ask you to stand to your feet this morning. I want to begin reading in the very first verse. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brethren. And Judah begot Perez of Azarah of Tamar, and Perez begot Ezram, and Ezram begot Aram. And Aram begot Amminadab, and Amminadab begot Naasson, and Naasson begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed of Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king, and David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Father, I thank you for the word of God that you've allowed us to have a copy of. God, that we've been able to glean from and study and claim its promises, Father. Today, I ask, Lord, that you would help us, Father, that you would preach us, Father, by the power of the Holy Ghost. Give us an unction, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Faithfulness matters. I'm looking today in verse 6 about how King David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Now I'm preaching on faithfulness matters. You may say, Preacher Darren, obviously you're talking about Bathsheba. You're talking about David. That is not a picture of faithfulness. Well, I'm not looking at those two. I'm looking at Uriah. Uriah, the Bible would tell us a lot about Uriah. Uh, you may know a little bit about him because he's part of a story that everybody knows about. But I want to think about Uriah. Uriah was a man, according to 1 Samuel chapter 22, he was a man that came to King David. He was a man that was in debt. He was a man that was in distress. He was a man that was discontented. And he made David his captain. And uh, when you read 2 Samuel chapter 23, uh, David begins to catalog his mighty men. He had 600 valiant men, but 37 of them were considered to be great mighty warriors. And he pointed them out. And in that list, Uriah is the very last one that is listed. And it speaks about, uh, to me, there were 37 of them in all. And we know that the last shall be first. And the first shall be last. And though Uriah is the last one mentioned, he is not the least one that is important. We remember what happened in 2 Samuel chapter number 11 with the failure of King David. How that David was supposed to be out fighting the battle, leading the warriors and the troops of Almighty God against the enemy. But instead he stayed home. In the evening he was restless, probably because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And he gets up and he starts walking out on the rooftop. And when he does, he sees a woman washing herself. The Bible says that she was very beautiful to look upon. 
I don't believe Bathsheba was being lewd. I, I believe she was trying to have some ceremonial washing. Had she would have been covered had it not been for at that time of night, David was where he should not have been. David saw her begin to lust after her. He sent for her. He inquired of her. The, uh, the Bible would tell us that someone came and said, David, this is the daughter of Eliam. And this is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. But David, that didn't stop him. He sent messengers, brought her to the palace. The Bible says that he laid with her. She conceived and came back and told David, I am with child. David thought, uh-oh, what am I going to do? So he sends to General Joab and he says, send me Uriah, have him come home. And he says, I'll let him go home and be with his wife. And when the baby is born, we'll say, Uriah came home and we'll have it covered. But when Uriah came home from the battlefield, he would not go home. And David tried to encourage him, but Uriah would not. So David wrote a letter and he sealed it with the king's seal. And he put it in Uriah's hand and sent him back to the battlefield and gave the letter to Joab. And it's, Joab opened it and it said, Put Uriah in the hottest battle on the front line and retire from him that he may die. And Joab did just that. He found the hottest battle on the front line. Uriah thought that was where the valiant people were supposed to stand and defend God and country. And his brothers retired from him and he was killed there in the battle. Most everything that I've ever heard about poor Uriah is how everybody did not do him right. But I want to think about it in just a little bit different way today. I want to ask this question. Does it really matter if I'm faithful? Uh, we see the lesson here then in living for God. Maybe you're hurt. Maybe you're let down. Maybe someone has forsaken you. Maybe you've been made a fool of. Maybe you are heartbroken today. And the devil comes to you and says, listen, uh, you've been made a fool of. You're heartbroken today. Living for God does not make a difference. Why don't you just quit? It's just not worth it. Look, your friends, your loved ones, your, your, your family, they've taken advantage of you. What difference is it making to live for God? But God's Word teaches us different. Faithfulness does matter and faithfulness matters to God. Just by way of introduction, I want us to consider how Uriah lived. How his life was an epitome of faithfulness. He was faithful to his wife. He was known for being a family man. Uh, when David sinned to cover his sin, he sent Uriah to come home. He knew Uriah was faithful to his family. He knew Uriah, Uriah was a family man. He wouldn't be a man to go out and be wanton and carousing about. So he sent for Uriah to go home and to be with his family. And we know that Uriah would not go home. But may I say this, Uriah was faithful to his wife. How about to his king? When Uriah wouldn't go home and David wrote that letter, he put that letter in the hands of Uriah and he knew that Uriah would deliver it safely, that Uriah wouldn't break the seal of the king, that Uriah wouldn't sit down and open that letter. He knew that Uriah was trustworthy, not just faithful to his wife, but faithful to the king. And he did not open that letter and gave it to Joab. Uriah was not only faithful to his wife and his king, but he was faithful to his commander, Joab. 
when he got there, he gave him that letter and Joab read it and it said, put Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle. And Uriah did not question. Uh, when he was put on the front line, he believed he could make a difference. He believed he was standing. He was a veteran soldier and he did not argue with laying down his life for his nation. He was faithful then to his God. You remember when David, he, he wrote that, he, was, he tried to get Uriah to go home and Uriah would not go back and be with his wife. And here's what he said. Here's what he said. He said, the ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents and my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in open fields. In other words, how can I go home and be with my wife and us have pleasure when the ark, which represents the presence of God, is in the middle of battle and all my brothers are out fighting the battle. I cannot do this. He was faithful to God. How did he live? He lived in as an epitome of faithfulness. How did he look? He looked like a fool. To the natural eye anyway, he looks like a fool. It looks like Uriah got the short end of the stick. It appears that everyone that he was faithful to has let him down. It appeared that everyone that he loved and cared for have turned their back on him. I'm talking to somebody today. You've loved somebody. You were honest. They were dishonest. You were faithful. They've been unfaithful. You've given them your whole heart and they've handed it back to you in pieces. It certainly appears that David has gotten away with murder. Here's Uriah, the valiant soldier in the hottest battle. His comrades fall back and he is killed. Where was God? Why didn't God step in and change this? Uriah's been faithful. He was faithful to his wife. He was faithful to his king. He was faithful to his commander. He was faithful to God. Where was God? Maybe there's somebody you've got confidence in. They failed you miserably. Where is God? The devil says, you're just wasting your time being faithful to God in prayer and Bible study and going to that church. You're just wasting your time. The devil says, you're a fool to be faithful to God. You're a fool to be faithful to these folks here at the church. So I ask you this question then this morning. I'm going to preach. Does my faithfulness really matter? Does my faithfulness really make a difference? Because I feel like such a fool. When I read the word of God then, I believe your faithfulness does matter. First of all, it matters because of grace. My Bible tells me in 2 Samuel 23 and verse 39 that he was called Uriah the Hittite. He was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. The Bible tells us that God gave the land to Abraham and to his family. And God would drive out all the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and all the ites are going to be driven away. In fact, in Deuteronomy 20 verse 17, God told Moses, Thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites. Uriah was a Hittite. And all the Hittites were under, under the sentence of death. 
They should all be destroyed. They should all be done away with. Uriah shouldn't even be around. But for the grace of God. Obviously, Uriah the Hittite was allowed to live. And somehow he's heard about God. And the grace of God has found him. And he's forsaken his pagan gods of the Hittites. And he began to worship and serve the Lord God of glory. And he met a young Jewish girl named Bathsheba. And he got married to her. He made David his captain. May I just say today that you were dead in trespasses and in sins. According to the word of God, you and I should not even be allowed to live. We had a death sentence that was hanging over our heads. And when I look at Uriah, it looks like he got the short end of the stick. But then again, he really got better than he deserved. (laughs) He should have been dead, but he was allowed to live. Amen. He should have been dead, but he was allowed to serve God. He's been blessed and blessed mightily because of the grace of God that is working in his life. May I say to you today that though you feel like you got the short end of the stick, your family, your friends have forsaken you, they've turned their back on you, I still would remind you of this today. You've still got better than you've deserved. He saved your soul when he gave his life for you, amen, shedding his blood that you might be saved. This morning you may say, Preacher Darren, I'm trying to be faithful. And so if I go there, uh, maybe the Lord owes me a thank you. Oh, no, 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 no. God's not thanking you for being here. You're here to thank Him for letting you live. When you give, you're given to thank Him for letting you live. When you're here today, you raise your hand and you say amen because you're thankful that He lets you live and He's given you glory to God. He's given you the promise of heaven. And does it matter if I'm faithful? It matters because of the grace of God that is working in our lives today. Amen. May I remind you that you have gotten so much better than you deserve today. Amen. Sometimes when people have treated us wrong, sometimes when there's problems in our life and we feel forsaken and we feel unloved and we feel like a fool, sometimes we forget about the goodness of God and the grace of God working in our life. I'm telling you friend, don't forget how good God has been. Faithfulness will matter in the end because of the grace of God that is working in our lives today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Help us Lord. Preacher Darren, does faithfulness matter? Oh it does. Because of grief. Now it sounds like Uriah has suffered a grievous death. It's been awful. It feels like such a fool. And, and again, I begin to think about Uriah and his faithfulness to God and the grief around him. Did you know that Uriah, according to everything I know as I've studied, when Uriah died, he never knew about his wife and King David. May I say today that he left without any heartache. But what about David? Did he have any heartaches? He got away from God. He got cold on God. David had a prophet come to him by the name of Nathan. 
put his finger up in his face and said, Thou art the man. Oh, how many times have I sat in a congregation of a church service and the preacher preaching and the Holy Ghost put his finger on my life and said, you're in sin. What a heartache that was. What about the news that came to David that his little baby that was just born, that he loved so dearly, got sick suddenly and died. What a heartache to lose a little baby. What about the fact that his daughter was raped by a half-brother? The family trouble, what a heartache. What about to know that Absalom went and killed Amnon, his half-brother, because of that rape? Now there's murder inside the family. Just imagine the heartache that's going on and then to hear that Absalom has rebelled against him and finally to hear that Absalom has been killed David had to hear Nathan say the man of God the sword will never depart from your house Uriah left this world without heartache but from that point on it's all that David knew Does it matter if I'm faithful? You better believe it does. God will keep heartache after heartache out of your life. I want to say that Uriah, he left without hatred. When he died, he did not know about his wife and David. So when he died, he wasn't bitter. He went home clean. Surely if he had heard what had happened, he would have been angry. He'd been filled with violence and been filled with wrath and filled with bitterness. And David had to know bitterness, didn't he? He had to know the bitterness of the family trouble that after Amnon raped Tamar, he hated her. Absalom hated Amnon. Absalom hated his daddy and tried to overthrow his government and drove him off the very throne and the very kingdom that he said. They didn't even speak for two years. May I just say that does faithfulness matter? Yes, it matters because he's keeping some hatred out of our lives right now today. I want to say that he left without halting. Best I can tell, Uriah had a clean testimony. He never sought revenge whatsoever. Now, when you think about David, and I mention his name, what do you think about? Oh, preacher, I think he's the psalmist. That's good. Oh, preacher, Aaron, I think he's the king. That's good. But 90% of you will say, I remember what he did and committing that adulterous act with Bathsheba. The man of God, Nathan, told David, he said, your sin has given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. So now, because of his sin, the foes blaspheme. What about his friends? Thought about this. David sent a letter to Joab, his general, to have Uriah put on the front line and retire for him, to back away from him and to let him be killed. Wonder what happened to that letter. Joab still had that letter. Later on, as I began to read some of the acts of Joab, 
he became very advantageous, taking advantage of every situation. You know why? It's because he had King David's letter. Everybody eventually found out about the affair and the adultery came out. But what about the murder? Surely he's got that covered up. But Joab had that letter. I want to say to you today, friend, who's got your letter? Who's got your letter? Who is it today that's got the goods on you? It's driving you insane. It's halting your testimony because you've given the enemy that letter. I'm just saying, amen, somebody knows about it. Surely God knows about it. But for Uriah, he's clean. He's not acquainted with all that grief because his faithfulness mattered. Thirdly, Preacher Darren, does faithfulness matter? It does because of grace. And it does when it comes to grief. And thirdly, it does when it comes to the gospel. As I'm reading this list of names in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come across that lady by the name of Bathsheba. She's not specifically mentioned, though it is implied. It says her that had been the wife of Uriah. Though Uriah had no part in the birth of Solomon and being in the lineage of Jesus Christ, yet God said, because of his faithfulness, I'm going to list him in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. May I say then to you today, choir, I appreciate your ability, church, I appreciate your talent, but this thing is more than ability, it is more than talent, it's about faithfulness to God Almighty. God expects me to be faithful, and He rewards me accordingly. If we took the time to look in 2 Samuel 23 verse 39, and you see those uh, names listed. Uriah the Hittite is listed last of the 37. And it says, these are the 37. What does that number represent? 30 represents dedication. 7 represents completion. Uriah was completely dedicated to service unto God. He is a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Preacher, what do you mean? Well, when I think about Uriah, he died on the battlefield to cover the sins of another. Jesus did not die because he was a sinner. Jesus died because I am the sinner and you are the sinner. He died to cover our sins. Uriah was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He had no idea what was really happening, but he was forsaken in his death. Jesus upon that cross said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken that I wouldn't have to be forsaken. I'm thinking about Isaiah 53 
Verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. David wrote himself in Psalm 41 verse 9, listen this. Oh, what foreshadowing it had of what he did to Uriah. He wrote, Mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. It was David that lifted up his heel against Uriah and had him put to death. I want to say this and I'll be done today. I have been made a fool of. I've been laughed at, made sport of. There's been friends that's turned their back on me. I've had family that said, we'll have nothing else to do with you, and they've forsaken me. Oh, man, how it hurts. Oh, preacher Darren, you're sharing intimacies. I'm just telling you for the cause of Christ, these are things that have happened in my life. And maybe today, I feel led of God to preach this. You feel used. You feel taken advantage of, and today you're hurting. But right now, may I say this to you, in this situation is when you're most like Jesus. Jesus was used, misused, and abused. And when you're in this situation, you're most like Jesus. And don't you know that when you're most like Jesus, the devil wants to discourage you. When you're most like Jesus, the devil wants to defeat you. He wants to disarm you. He doesn't want you to be like Jesus. He wants to get your mind spinning and get it off kilter and off focus. But God has allowed this to come to you, to teach you to be like Jesus. Preacher Darren, does faithfulness matter? Faithfulness matters to God. Of Jesus, the Bible says, he is faithful and true. There is a friend that sticketh closer than any brother. He is faithful. And though you feel like you don't have a friend, and though you feel taken advantage of and man you right now you're like man let me loose preacher I want to tear into them I want to black their eyes I want to say ugly things hush yourself and say oh God you've never forsaken me you've never left me you've been with me every step of the way and here I am today God I'm hurting I'm wounded and you've said that this is the time that I'm most like Jesus. So here I come to worship him in this moment, to ask him to help me to recover from my wounds and to use this testimony for the glory of God. I want to be faithful. And in me, with my flesh, I cannot. But by the help of the Holy Ghost, I can be faithful. God, make me an ornament of grace and help me to be faithful though my friends and my family 
have forsaken me. You stand to your feet. Oh, my, I've whipped my way to God all week. Maybe there's some mother, maybe there's some daddy, some grandparent, some husband, uh, some wife. Maybe uh, there's some young person today. Maybe, maybe you're, 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 you're in a, a situation today and God said, that's the message for you. You need to hear this today. Would you come and tell God, take this, use it in my life for your glory. Help me, oh God. And maybe... If you're one of the blessed ones and you can say, I'm doing great, you ought to hit this altar and say, oh God, oh God, help those around me. Help those that are hurting today. Oh God, give them peace. Oh God, give them victory. Oh, I'm telling you, if you're here and you've never been born again, I'm telling you in the middle of this debacle, in the middle of this situation, Jesus wants to save your soul. Is there somebody you slip up your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm lost. I'm needing to be saved. Is there anybody you just slip up your hand? Put it right back down. I'll not embarrass you. I promise. Preacher Darren. Preacher Darren. Maybe, second question, there's somebody here to say, Preacher, man, I'm really hurting. Preacher, preacher, I'm hurting so bad today with things I cannot explain. Would you get a hold of God for me? Would you pray for me? Say somebody, maybe you're in the altar. Maybe you're standing right now in the car. God sees that hand. Anybody else, preacher, pray. God sees that hand. God bless you. God sees that hand. Anybody else? God sees that hand. Anybody else? Oh, we're going to pray today for you. I'll not embarrass you. Father, this morning, we come to you, Lord. God, our shoes need to be polished. Our testimony needs to be clean and of faithfulness. Today, God, as I bow, Lord, there's the enemy. There's the friend. There's the family member. Oh, God, that has hurt and wounded and turned their back. God, on those that love them. And God, we're hurting. And God, I ask your help today. Lord, help us, God. That we continue to be faithful despite the hurt, despite the wounds. Help us, God, to put the hurt behind us. And we were most like Jesus. Use it for the glory of God to live as a Christian in a crooked and perverse generation. Touch us, God. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.